The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a cheese-making factory, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifreyan Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. Podshock! I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? My name is Lucy Hayward, and I'm the last one left. You don't know what's going to be in your room until you see it. Then you realize it could never have been anything else. between my worship are getting shorter. Praise him. Where are we? I don't know. Something must have yanked us off course. But who would mock up an Earth hotel? You see these? Commander Hulk. Defeat. Lucy Hayward. That brutal gorilla. Doctor, what does it mean? Let's find out. We surrender. No, it's okay. We're not. We surrender. We're nice. She's threatened me with a chairlift. Who are you? I, I take it from the pathological compulsion to surrender. You're from Tivoli. Yes, the most invaded planet in the galaxy. The corridors twist and stretch. Rooms vanish and pop up somewhere else. It's like the hotel's alive. It's not just that. The rooms have things in them. Where's the TARDIS? You parked it there, didn't you? Okay. This is bad. Are there any more of you? Joe, but he's uh, tied up right now. Hello, I'm the doctor. We're going to die here. I think you should come with me. Personally, I think you've got the right idea. Times like this, I think of my old school motto. Resistance is exhausting. <laughs> Don't blink. What? Amy, they're not real. What? They should have got us by now. Amy, look at me. Focus on me.
the Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 256. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me across the pond is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Oh, yeah, you just catch me ready in the drinks cabinet in the hotel. Hiya. <laughs> well, I didn't want to disturb you in your room. I didn't know which room was yours, but I opened it up and <laughs> there you were. I don't know if that's my room or your room. Uh, well, yours is the one without Wi-Fi and no coffee maker. <laughs> That's that would be true. That would be my uh, my fright. I have to commend you, Dave. You once again, you put together these clips, these montage clips that we do for these review shows, and you had um, edited it just right because just when uh, at the end of our theme, when you hear the doctor says, "You know, I'm the doctor, and who are you? And who are you?" and then you. You edit it just so that it starts off with, hi, my name is, <laughs> well, not hi, but it's just, she says, my name is, uh, it's that police officer um, person from uh, the hotel who I can't recall her name right now. Anyway, uh, I, I know you didn't plan it that cool. way, but I'm giving you credit for it. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> well, also joining us possibly as a host today is um well let's see i'm deciding on a name either arfris or varsh it's a <laughs> it's a cricket what happened is um well it, it, he, he or she may present itself i don't know it, it, what happened was that uh, during the week i had a cricket in the house well i should back up that last week's hitchhiker's guide to british sci-fi during post-production during dave's um monologue or you know when he was talking i was hearing a cricket in the background and i don't know where it was recorded from i i thought it might have been in you know somewhere in the background where dave was but who knows during the week i did find a oh, cricket yes. oh yes in semi semi-tropical manchester of course yeah <laughs> well you don't know i don't know you may have crickets there i have crickets here in new york so you know you know I, it's it's not too tropical here but during the week, I found a, there was a cricket in the house that was chirping away, and it gets chronic. I, you know, I don't mind if there's a cricket in the house, but if it's chirping, it gets annoying. At you know, on a certain level. So after two nights, I finally found it. Well, I it revealed itself, and I was able to get a cup and trap it and bring it outside, and that was the end of it. So then earlier today. I came in, I, I forgot, I, I, I guess I ran an errand or something. I came in and I had the door open just for like a, a less than a minute. And all of a sudden, now I'm hearing a cricket in the house. Somehow in, in that time frame, a cricket got into the door and is in between like under a cabinet or in between a cabinet. And um, I can hear it, but I can't get to it. So it's quiet right now. But if it starts chirping and you hear it, you know what's going on. <laughs> Right. Oh, well, as long as it's interesting. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll get up, and if I bang the cabinet, it will stop chirping for a while. So if it happens, I may do that. Always good for a good game of cricket, huh? Well, uh. <laughs> well we're here. Uh, well, I should also, I, since I mentioned Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, I should remind everyone that we are, uh, well, actually, we just released episode, uh, an episode with our review of Tortured Miracle Day, Episode 9, The Gathering, which went out earlier this week. And today, or tonight, or depending on where you are in the world, uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we, 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 we will be back on Talk Shoe reviewing Torchwood, 
Miracle Day, episode 10, the final episode, The Bloodline. So that's right here, uh, same channel, same, well, not same time, but 7 p.m. tonight, uh, right here on TalkShoe. We are reviewing episode 10 of Torchwood Miracle Day, the final episode. So, um, and, yeah, and that is on TalkShoe ID 110825. Thank you, yes. So I hope you can join us then. And if you don't, you can always catch it on, you know, the recorded ones. They're available on arttrap.com as well as, um, you know, I give out call-outs on podshock.net on it as well. So um, listen in. But what we're here for is Doctor Who, and we are, are reviewing The God Complex, which is the latest episode. And I guess before we go any further, traditionally I like to give our warnings for spoilers because, any, at, you know, from this point forward, there will be spoilers 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 again spoilers 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 all right well you get the idea any point after this well even before this there could be spoilers for the god complex which Ed, well, it was transmitted yesterday on the BBC and not yes, yeah, today's Sunday, I'm so confused. Today's Sunday, so it was yesterday. And it was also on BBC America and the Space Channel. Is the Space Channel on the same day or is it the day after? It's hard to keep track. And also, um, not too sure. There's ABC as well in Australia. It's good to have, it's always good to have a new Doctor Who episode. You know? I believe, though, that there's some controversy about. Um the fact that it was played uh, at a slightly speeded up version in, uh, I think it was BBC America, uh, much to uh, Benjamin Elliott's uh, disgust, uh, that it was advertised as, you know, showing it without cuts. But of course, if it's actually uh, played at a speeded up rate, simply so they can get an extra couple of adverts in, mm. that is not really showing it uh, unedited. So well, it really got on his go. Also in chat, uh, T M C K N N Tremukin Tremukin. My apologies. It's it's. But uh, had posted in chat that the that was one minute out of sync. Does that was that mean the audio was out of sync? Or that, that would be really bad if it was a minute out of sync. Thomas. Well, okay, I, it's, I Tom, it was, it's Thomas. It was. It was, is, is it the, was mentioned that the dialogue was difficult to catch. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of speeding up, you know, stuff just to fit in more adverts. You know, it's you, should, you know. Well, when the, when the programs such as Doctor Who is so lovingly crafted, I mean, you, I know many of you, the the people who uh, listen to Podchock, uh, the sort of people who will find a way of catching the BBC's Confidential. Now we've said this before. You don't, you shouldn't have to watch Confidential to to enjoy Doctor Who. But when you actually watch the Confidential, I. Even episodes that I'm not, you know, greatly attracted to or haven't felt as though it's been the best, you only have to watch that to see the, the sheer from gaffer boy or whatever they call them all the way up to sort of uh, production staff. Everybody is pulling in the same direction and uh, from the colorists to the yeah. sound guys to uh, the stunt people to uh, all the people that play the aliens and all the guest stars, uh, the absolute uh, professionalism and uh, uh, 
the, you know, the love they pour into the programme, for that to be then disabused mm-hmm. by being speeded up. I mean, it's bad enough seeing these on-screen graffiti that they do. But to me, I mean, they may as well sort of, you know, you go with a, a webcam and sort of film it on a webcam and say, right, watch it on YouTube. I mean, it is annoying. Yeah, no, I agree. And if you do have a chance, we do recommend, uh, especially those in the UK, to catch Doctor Who Confidential. Uh, unfortunately, it's not really available in the US. I know on BBC America, they do show like uh, Doctor Who Insider, I think they call it, which is basically a, a condensed version of just a few minutes, you know, uh, from uh, I, I think the, the source is, um, you know, confidential. So uh, you can catch that. Mm-hmm. But at one time, I think iTunes was showing was was uh, making the confidentials available. I should see if um if they're still doing that. Well, they certainly will be on the DVDs and the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. The cut down. Well, the cut down versions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a week behind in the confidentials right now. It, it just worked out that way, so I haven't seen this one yet. I, I just saw. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. I just saw last week's confidential, which was for the girl who waited. Yeah, well, without spoiling it, and I, uh, this is not spoiling it, uh, one of the, the sections of it is uh, Toby Whithouse, or Whitehouse, uh, taking his two children around the set. It was very good because he said, uh, you know, the kids think I'm taking them for a treat to see on, around the, the back and the, the behind-the-scenes making of Doctor Who. But it's really for me. I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> so it's great. Well, the, the seventh doctor in chat said that um, they're not that iTunes isn't currently having the full uh, length of confidentials right now. So it's a shame, but they're, it's, if if you can manage to to see it, they're, they're worth watching. Though la- I, again, I haven't seen this week's, but last week's there were a lot of filler in there. there was a, uh, Karen Allen was on a race, you know, was being trained on a racetrack, yeah. and Arthur Jarvel was swimming with sharks, which really had nothing to do with the girl who waited. So uh, I guess they needed some filler material. I should remind everyone that you can call into the show while it's live. Well, you can call into the show when it's not live, but you won't get us. But if you call 724-444-7444 and enter in the call ID for the show, which is 23358, you'll be uh, connected to TalkShoe and uh, you can then enter into the queue. I believe you had mentioned, Dave, last week. It's asterisk, um, you know, star eight will put you in the queue if you punch in yeah, that. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're on ordinary phone, star eight will put you on that. And if you want to self-mute while you're on the phone, so, you know, you can be eating or whatever, star six and star six, again, unmutes you. But if you are a clever guy like the seventh doctor who's in the uh, the room now and you dispense with the phone and get x light, he, he, you will find, as he did find, that your audio is that much better. And to call in with that, you're using the um, 123-at66.212.134.192. That's basically what's known as a SIP connection. It's uh, it's basically um, sort of like voice over internet, which you're, you're connecting directly to TalkShoe's server digitally, where you're not going through an analog phone line. So you're always going to get a better audio that way. But I, I don't mean to get too technical. You can also call into, I think, using TalkShoe has their shoe phone, which I really haven't really used, but I, I believe you can connect that way. 
either way, you should sign up for a free account at TalkShoe because then it's easy to put yourself in the queue. Uh, the Seventh Doctor says the shoe phone is terrible. I, I haven't really used it, but mm. it's it's probably check out other options. Um, but that's always a good fallback if nothing else. All right. Well, the God Complex. It's um, I'm I'm a bit pi- I'm a bit bipolar in my review of this. It's, I'm going to try to review it. You know. Because well, I'll just get it out of the way. I, I think we just had a because this one is very much in in that horror flavor. You know, it sort of reminds me um, a bit of Midnight as well, where you know it, it may borrow a little bit from The Shining, and there's also reminded me. Uh, I haven't seen it in probably twenty, maybe twenty five years. There's a Star Trek Next Generation episode where Riker finds himself in a hotel, I believe, with a dead astronaut. Uh, and I really don't remember the details of it. Like I said, it's been a long time. Oh since yes, I've seen it, it. it is on this planet where they go through uh, turnstile doors. Yeah. Get in. Yes, and that's it, right. Th- these aliens are brought to life. A book that they found in the astronauts' belongings. And uh, like a speakeasy or something, mm-hmm. and the whole plot is based around the book that they found. So it it reminded me of that. The, the only reason why I'm, I'm saying a little bit because I I don't know I the the whole this has a lot of the classic horror iconic images and style of, of storytelling, which is fine. But I think we you know we just had it not last episode but the episode before you know in a different style in a different way with night terrors and maybe if this was placed in the first half of the series instead of the second half or the seventh doctor just in chat said that it was the royale it's the name of the episode of the next generation ah yeah star trek the, the next generation that's the one i just felt halfway through this was that i was just getting and again it's it, i was just getting a little tired i just found it a little tiresome but it's not because of the episode itself or technically how it's made or anything like that in fact technically i think it was made it was done very well as you say it was as you had mentioned it was written by toby whithouse or whitehouse um and it's directed by the same director that directed last episode the girl who waited nick haran and um and again i think it's technically it's done very well the lighting and the shots and the compositions are all lend itself very well to this type of storytelling and i and i think the acting you know everything was there so it's not that i would change anything really except for maybe the order that maybe this appeared in in the in the series it just it, even though we had the girl who waited in between it would have been nice to have this spaced out further obviously with the ending of this episode um you know maybe this needed to be here maybe night terrors could have been in the first half or something like that i don't know it just it just seemed like we just had one a similar episode like this well, the last episode, they were in a sort of a time maze, weren't they, in, other words, in one sense? Mm-hmm. And this was um, a physical maze. Yeah. Outside of the technical stuff, it also had some other good moments, um, good storytelling moments, some nice character moments. <laughs> you know, Roy, when, uh, when they first are greeted by the hotel residents, you know, in arms, you know, and Roy says, it's okay, we're nice. <laughs> and Amy <laughs> repeats that. I think that's that was um, a classic Roy dialogue, and it was just a nice touch that was added to that. And uh, there was another scene later on with Roy where he gets hit, and, he, you know, he, I was hit. Was it Amy? You know, <laughs> it was... <laughs> it's usually Amy with the shoe or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I also have to say uh, I was a little... 
not disappointed with the episode, but disappointed with the Doctor Who website because I was on the website during the middle of the week and they had the pictures from, they had, um, you know, some photos from this episode, which included the Weeping Weeping Angels, which I, until then, didn't know they were going to be in this episode. No big deal, but it did spoil it a little bit. I think they were shown in the trailer from the previous week, but I haven't noticed them. Yeah, uh, I was talking to Mike and uh, Ian, and uh, they, they were they were glimpsed in the uh, the trailer at the end of last week. Okay, I, um, I, I, I didn't but I, notice I it. Noticed them yeah. from, no, no. Another nice comical, you know, touch was which which I don't know if people caught it was went in the beginning the the little um, teaser before the credits before the opening credits. With the gorilla and the um, and and that uh, police officer uh, who enters the room, the gorilla comes out of the bathroom, you know, out of the loo. And if you notice in his, in his or her hand is a roll of toilet paper, which I just thought was kind of funny. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I did have to explain before. The, uh, the, uh, I think it's based on the famous book uh, by a writer called Anthony Anthony Brown, who's a, a British author and illustrator of children's book. And he brought this. It was a very, really big children's book, way back, probably about the time that Toby Woodhouse Whitehouse was uh, a child. I mean, it was uh, a brilliant book, and that was comic. So I think it was a reference. To that particular book, that the, the gorilla did give a lot, a lot of children uh, nightmares. Are, are you talking about the whole story, or, or just the gorilla episode? No, no, no. The, the, there was a book that came out, a children's book in the UK that was massive, and it was called the gorilla. Oh, okay. And the, uh, the gorilla coming out of there was exactly like the gorilla from the children's book, and I think the whole point was that it does say. Uh, on the, I think on the the photograph on the wall that she was frightened by, uh, she says on her notes when the doctor's reading mm-hmm. them, it was a children's book that she read as a child. I gotcha. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay, but you're right. You suddenly think, you know, is this going to be a silly episode rather than a scary episode? <laughs> I thought the girl was just upset because the toilet paper wasn't soft enough. <laughs> <laughs> What else? I, again, um, it's it's interesting. We, you know, we see the the characters explore the different rooms, and um, we're, we're led to believe that you know, in each room holds their their deepest fears, and um, everyone has a room, including the doctor. And when the doctor does find his room, of course, it's the room number is eleven, <laughs> and he opens up mm. the room, and you, you can hear the cloister bells ringing, and everyone's wondering what did he see, and you know, I'm glad that we didn't see what he saw. You know, I always like when they keep some mystery involved here, so uh, you can assume maybe it was the master, or maybe it was you, you know something that we uh, unknown to us, or since they're cloister bells, maybe other time, who knows? You know, maybe it's, it's well. I, well, I thought it was either going to be the uh, the. Um the, the spacesuit that that, that that greets him at Lake Lansio, mm-hmm. or indeed it was uh, Doctor Number Twelve inside there, basically meaning that he was near to his, you know, his regeneration. It was the Valyard. We had, we, <laughs> yeah, well, 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 we had we had um, the tenth Doctor. You know, I don't want to go. Uh, so we assume that Matt Smith, uh, that might be his biggest fear. You know, the end of his identity, maybe mm-hmm. not his life. The, uh, the death of his identity. Yeah. Well, we, we don't know. We probably won't ever know. Um, the mind of evil. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> 
it, it was good seeing you know those pictures on the walls, and uh, I just wish maybe you know because we see in such a centaur, yeah, centauran, and uh, you know we see a lot of the the creatures and aliens that we've encountered over the last six years, you know, in the series. But it would have been nice to just to see maybe something that we haven't seen yet in the new series, you know, something that um, from from the original series. You know, just in the background, you don't even have to make a point of it. Just like just somewhere in the background, having a picture of maybe a a Zygon or or something. You know, wouldn't really cost anything, really. You know, just to have a photograph of one. You know, of a different alien that we haven't seen. You know, since two thousand and five. Right. So um, of a century. <laughs> <laughs> Rowenth. Ro- am I pronoun- I'm mispronouncing the name. Rowan's. Yeah, I'd mentioned that I had, I, I had read with the Zygon, I had, I read Rowan's mind with that. I'm, I'm sure probably but others have well about it. Yeah, just as well you read a mind, you can't read a name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be my room where, where a, a roster of names I would have to read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, no, you, you didn't. So, are you saying that there was nothing that dissatisfied you, but it didn't satisfy? Well, you? I, I think. I mean, is that the roundabout? Well, there's two. I'm reviewing it on a reviewing it on its own as a Doctor Who episode. If I could walk out of my body and and not, you know, review it from my own mind, you know, it, it's a good episode. I I enjoy it. It's just. My if I, on a personal level, I'm just I get a little tired of you know. The whole trying to scare you factor gets a little—it just gets a little cliche, and it just gets a little tiresome for me. I, I halfway through this at the time when um, the young fellow uh, was consumed, and um, and his photograph winds up on the wall. By that time, I was already feeling a little bored with it. And but that's that's not to say that anyone listening. Well, obviously, if you're listening, you, you've seen this episode already. But I—I uh, I mean anyone else that might not be the case it's just for me i just the whole this whole genre gets a little tiresome for me and that's you know it's just like other cliche like like uh uh, zombies seem to be the the trend these days not that there were zombies in this episode but uh there's certain things that become a little tiresome after a while uh vampire even like uh vampires of venice you know that was i felt you know just i wish they didn't use vampires i wish they it was something else instead of vampires um even though they weren't really vampires but it just becomes a little tiresome and cliche and this whole but of course you know that was t- that was another toby white white house episode that was oh. Nero as well well maybe that's that's <laughs> the reason there so I, I, again if if you enjoy this type of storytelling then it's great but i myself i just get a little i'm i just get i get bored with it i just i rather give me a good science fiction story or um you know i i know in the end this turns into a science fiction story but it it's we don't get to the end until until the end obviously (laughs) and even that it gets a little silly because you know we're introduced to you know to this creature that consumes faith and I, I i don't know it just seems a little silly how, how and somehow it converts faith into food and i it's just a bit hard you know it's it's a bit stretch of the imagination uh, an artistic license to kind of swallow that if you if to 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 follow the food allegory to swallow that <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and then well, of course, the bodies, the bodies are untouched when we see them collapsed. Uh, and indeed, the, uh, the, the Rita girl asked the doctor, you know, well, why did they die? What did they die? And he says there's nothing physically wrong. They've just been drained in a way. But I think it's just another slant on, uh, you know, a way of devouring. It's not devouring flesh. It's devouring their faith. And um, but I, I agree with you about the fact that. Uh, but to be fair, Stephen Moffat was upfront with us all. He did say it was going to be more in a world of uh, you know fairy tale and nightmare. But I, I agree with you. Uh, to me, um, I mean, uh, um, uh, if I jump in here, sure, sorry, please. But it's the it's it's um, it it has been the, the whole theme of many of, of the stories this time, and it's not particularly to my liking. I, I do like hard science fiction, but uh, this story left me slightly unmoved. Although technically, I thought it was excellent, and um, the, uh, you know, I watched it, but I was enjoying it because it was Doctor Who. But I wasn't actually thrilled with the episode as it unfolded. Uh, and again, listening to the the dialogue as I I do later on, uh, there was an awful lot in it. But um, one thing that where my wits must be uh, a little bit slow, uh, having just done our show earlier, one thing that I'd said in that that I, I didn't really find any plot holes in it, even though I didn't particularly get wowed with it. But I have thought of a plot hole since then, and I'm going to say it now because. I'm not going to step on your toes, but I think I, I may know what it is. But go ahead. I'm not going to go. I, I, well, when they go in the room, oh. they do a trick on us where they go in the room where we see the weeping angels. And, of course, the, the, everybody thinks it's, it's Amy's weeping angels, but it's probably not. It's the, uh, the, um, the, the, the uh, Gibbous character, the mm-hmm. David Walliams monster. But don't we all remember... An image of an angel becomes an angel. The doctor says they're not real angels, but an image of an angel becomes an angel. They should have turned into real angels, shouldn't they? Ah, I didn't think of that. Though maybe it yeah, needs, maybe it needs to be a of that. an image. Maybe it needs to be an image of an actual angel. Maybe it needs to be like a, a photograph. Well, no, when, when, when Amy was locked in that thing, and there was the film of the angel that they recorded. It changed and it yeah. changed, and it suddenly came out of the film and in front of her. Because an image of an angel become an yeah. angel. Well, so I'm very proud of myself on that one. Yeah, no, I agree. No yeah, doubt somebody else got it. Yeah. Still. No, I, I, I didn't think of it, but... Again, that's even when we reviewed that episode, I said that that was silly science as well. But (laughs) we encountered that a lot in Doctor Who. Silly silence. Silly science. Yeah, but but if they put up a proposition, they have to live by it. But um, there was lots of good things. Uh, And if I may jump to the end as well. Well, well, while you're at the end, while you're at the end, I just I thought I what your plot hole was is different than mine. I thought you were going to mention the car. How did the doctor arrange for the car? Unless he he. He does that. He he does it in the future. After he leaves them on Earth, he goes back in time and then arranges yeah. to have the car there. Because the, otherwise, how would he have have you know arranged to have that car waiting for Amy and Rory? And I've just thought of another thing. Actually, that were one of the things I was just going to say was uh, the the way that he leaves. I mean, obviously, some people were thinking that's their time. The child is gone. Whether it is or not, we don't know because that's 
could be classed as spoiler territory. But the point is, we know at the beginning of The uh, Impossible Astronaut that Amy and Rory are not with the Doctor and they're living in what we assume is an apartment, but we're in the downstairs of a house. Presumably, this is that house with a nice blue door, I may add. But it suddenly realised, that just coming to me when you said that, because the Doctor bought them the house... When the future 11th Doctor sends them the blue envelope with the invite to go to Utah, he knows the address. He knows the address because he bought the house. So are you saying this is the house that we see in the opening of this of the series? Uh, uh, I think so, yeah. I think that's where they are. So, um, hmm, okay. Because they say... Uh, I mean, I know it's timey-wimey because they've already had that adventure, but when they went to join the Doctor, they didn't know it was a future Doctor, did they? No, they didn't know they were future, but this, uh, is the, this is still that same timeline um, with Amy and Rory from when they first, you know, saw... Yeah, the- but if, if you noticed, when, when, they were in, uh, when they were in the, uh, the episode... Um, um, the, the one before, um, the Night Terrors, we thought it looked very 1980s. You remember the boy in the bedroom had no TV in his bedroom. Uh, there was no computers around the house. Looked very 1980s. He's playing with um, a, a Rubik's Cube. This uh, The hotel was very much set out as though it was a 1970s or 80s hotel. Doctor still got his Rubik's Cube. It still looks a little bit old-fashioned. I know it's all timey-wimey stuff. I, I just wonder whether, whether whether it actually works as a premise or not. The whole point is that we've got Amy and Rory away from the Doctor. The Doctor re- sends them that letter at some point, and they meet him again in Utah. Now, whether that works or whether that's got a plot hole in it, I don't know. But I assumed well, it was the same house. They already had the baby. They already did that, so they would have to have no. They would have to have their memories erased or something like that if they, if that was the case. And speaking of the baby, Roy at that yeah, Amy um, at that scene makes a mention. Did, if you see my daughter, tell her to come and visit her mother or something like that. Again, she has no yeah. feelings whatsoever about her lost baby. This is. I mean, it wasn't yeah. that long ago, and she's completely oblivious to that she lost her baby even regardless about the whole timey-wimey thing and that she's grown up now whatever but you still I, I still think there should be some sort of maternal instinct there that she still should be attached to that baby and she still want that baby back and she's completely forgotten about it yeah i'm sure some some when, the, when we do get to the callers later uh they'll, they'll be able to mention that some doctors already typing away furiously in in the chat but yes yeah, I, I realise that there are conflicts, but I did think that this story, I mean, it may well be for just the practical reasons of the next story, which we're not going to spoil, but it's called Closing Time, uh, may require the Doctor to be on his own. But I'm assuming we've got to have a situation where the Doctor's travelled on his own uh, because he knows he's, gonna, he knows he's going to die at this Silencio Lake. But he's he's been on this run, hasn't he? Because it's a doctor that's eleven hundred years old that actually they meet on the sitting on the bonnet of the car in Utah, America, when when they arrive backpacking there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, how those 
things will be squared out. I don't know, and I'm not saying my idea is right, but it looked correct that uh, this was a time for them to leave the TARDIS, if only temporarily. Well, we know they're going to be back. Because we know hasn't um, Karen Gillan been announced that she's going to be returning next year? So, well, and, and we know that. Well, I think we we know. Yeah, I think we know they're going to be back in terms of. Uh, don't forget, this is one of the problems to my mind. I, I mean, I love uh, season over arcs, but I mean, we, uh, as I said before, we're going back way. Back, we're going back to the eleventh hour. I mean, in this very episode. The, the, the room, Amy's room, was the young Amelia sitting on the suitcase. And, and I've often remarked that we still don't know what happened to that young Amelia sitting that night on the suitcase. Because if you remember, they played a trick on us uh, when we saw a later episode of that, of um, um, I think it was the, the, the Impossible Astronaut, where we see young Amelia, the swings moving around, we see the young Amelia and we think it's going to, the doctor's going to appear to her, but it then pans up to the grown-up Amy in her bed. Um, so the whole thing is um, interconnected and, uh, mm-hmm. and I, 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 don't, I, I can understand, by the way, that why Stephen Moffat has, has, has gone on record as saying possibly the next series of Doctor Who won't be as convoluted. There'll be more standalone episodes. Mm. And we also know that that the series finale is going to have to somehow wind up back at the lake with the future Doctor, and that whole thing has to be resolved. So I would imagine that we would see Amy and Rory back for that as well. Oh, I'm getting more and more excited about the final episode. I mean, I'm almost seeing... I mean, I know a lot of people quite like The Lodger, which I don't think that's giving too much away because it was in the closing section of this one. That's almost a sideshow to me. I, I'm really looking forward to the season climax. Well, well usually there's sort of a quiet before the storm. You know, there's a calm before the storm, rather, and I think that's what next episode is going to be. It's, it's going to be a little bit more light-handed, a little light-hearted, and before we get all heavy with the last couple episodes. Mm. So I mean, this Perhaps is. We ought to have a quiet moment now. We we will. <laughs> we'll, we'll take a break, and then what we'll do is we'll come back with your live calls once again. Uh, we urge you to uh, give us a call, and urge you to put yourself in the the queue, and you can call in to the show at the number is seven two four 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 seven four four four, and the call ID for the show is two three three five eight. So give us a call and enter into the queue. If, you, when, if you're calling, if you're not on TalkShoe right now, you can uh, do star eight and that will queue, you know, then we'll know that you want to talk because sometimes um, people will call in and we'll see them, you know, without them connected to the computer, without them being on, on the Internet, just call via, you know, phone only. And we don't know if they want to speak or not. So it's good to know about the, the star eight. But we will take a break, and as always, what we like to do when we take these breaks is to remind people about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction, fantasy, and, and of course, horror <laughs> and romance, business. Well, you name it, Audible has it covered. The uh, Audible titles play on iPhones and Kindles, Androids, and over 500 devices for your listening anytime, anywhere. 
And for you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. To get your free audio book, you can go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audio book. And what we would like to do is make a mention or um, a referral or recommendation on a title that you could choose. You could choose anything they have to offer, but uh, we obviously like to choose Doctor Who titles, and they do have a massive amount of Doctor Who titles to choose from. Uh, One of the latest, which I believe was released just this week, is Doctor Who Blackout. It's by Ollie Smith, and it's narrated by Stuart Milligan, who, if you remember, played President Nixon in The Impossible Planet and The Day of the Moon. He's not playing that he's not playing nixon here <laughs> though it does take place during nixon's um era not not era as a president before he was president this takes place in uh to my knowledge in 1965 new york city when it's plunged into darkness and uh there's some sort of invisible spacecraft that's hovering above the skyline and a extraterrestrial disease sweeps the populace and amy roy must sabotage the city's water supply to uh, slow the spread of infection, and a dying doctor holds another man's life in his hands with the death toll rising, and his companions stalk through the streets of uh, through the streets by an alien business businessman. The doctor is forced to make a terrible decision: how far must he go to save his friends? And here's a little bit of it. His face fell. It's out of order. Oh dear," said Amy. "What?" We assumed it was just the pump station with no power. What if it's the entire city? Phones don't die in a power cut. Payphones do. It's all that cash charging stuff, isn't it? This is why he should get a mobile. Amy grabbed his arm. We'll have to find him ourselves. Come on. She snatched Rory's phone from his hand and waved it, face out in front of her, to try and light the way. But the dull glow of the screen wasn't enough. How do you work the camera flash of this thing? She fiddled with the menu screen. Rory held out his hand. Give it here. Too late. Got it. She kissed his cheek, then took a picture. Their surroundings lit up in the sudden flash. The image burning in Rory's retina for a moment as they edged forwards through the darkness, hands outstretched to feel the rough texture of the metal pipes that twisted around them. In the darkness, the room seemed larger, and it felt like an age between each rusted metal handhold as Rory staggered forward. The silence was unbearable, the blood thundering in Rory's ears, making him deaf as well as blind. He felt like he was drowning. Another flash, and Amy managed to duck in time to avoid a particularly low-hanging section of walkway that threaded above the overflow tanks lining the room. Rory wasn't so lucky. Ouch! Shh! A third flash, this time revealing the rusted metal staircase by which they had descended into the pump room. Rory darted forward and made a grab for the handrail. But rather than feeling cold steel beneath his fingers, his hand touched something else. It was soft and clammy and alive. Rory snatched his hand away and stumbled back, his feet slipping on the metal. Sweat gathered on his face. Why was it so hot in here? In a distant corner of the room, 
An untightened valve dispensed a single drip. Amy, he said cautiously over his shoulder, take another picture. There was a click, another flash, and Rory found himself face to face with a monster. Long fingers twitched beneath his hand, and Rory snatched it quickly to his chest. But his eyes remained fixed on the alien in front of him. It wasn't the lack of humanity in the face that made his stomach turn, but a hideous familiarity. Two eyes, a mouth, and nose were all present, but each seemed warped and twisted. The eyes were impossibly large, the mouth thin and little. All right, well, that's a little taste of Doctor Who Blackout, and it's available now at Audible. Uh, once again, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. And you can get your free audiobook. If you um, happen to be driving and you didn't get that URL down, just go to podshock.net and you'll find a link there for the free offer. So you can check it out. Though I haven't heard this adventure yet, you know, other, other than the clip that you just heard. And if it, if it does take place in 1965, I don't think, you know, a mobile, you know, cell phone is going to do you any good without cell towers being around in 1965. But then again, for some reason, the doctor. And his companions' mobile phones work throughout time and space, so who knows? <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get to you as far as what you think about the God Complex, which we are reviewing in today's Doctor Who Podshock. So um, we're going to play another clip from that, and then we'll get to people in the queue. So uh, first, the clip. Joe was right. He actually wants to kill us. Not oppress us or enslave us, kill us. What exactly happened to him? Vital organs simply stopped, as if the simple spark of life, his loves and hates, his faiths and fears were just taken, and this is a cup of tea. Of course, I'm British. It's an alien, isn't he? Yeah. Doctor, look at this. My name is Lucy Haywood, and I'm the last one left. The gaps between my worships are getting shorter, like contractions. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. What did you just say? Nothing. Praise him. This is what happened to Joe. Doris, going to come for me now. You'll leave your party here. I won't leave. I promise you have my word on it. He's going to leave right here. Look, whatever it is out there. It's obviously chosen Howard as his next course. Now, and tragic though that is, this is no time for sentiment. I'm saying if it were to bind him, it may be satisfied and let the rest of us go. All I want to do is go home and be conquered and oppressed. Is that too much to ask? It's okay, I'll stay with Howard. You take the others and go. No, we stay together. You take people's most primal fears and pop it in a room. Tell him made hell just for them. Why? Did you say they take? Uh, what is that word? The, the, the guard? No, the warden. This is a prison. So what are we? Cellmates? Lunch? This is what Joe said that we weren't ready. So what? What? You make us. Ready, you what? Place. Place what? Fear? You have lived so long, even your name. You want this to stop? 
because you are just instinct. You know, every time the doctor mentions Joe's name, you know, I kept on thinking of Joe Grant. <laughs> well, just on names, by the way, and I didn't notice this myself. Can't remember who mentioned it, but the the Lucy Hayward character in the read the read on read of the episode, the read through, uh, the character's name was Lucy Miller, which of course is one of the um, big Finnish yeah, companions, the, the audio drama ones. Yeah, hmm. I, I, I maybe they didn't want that to be confused with the the same character, so they mm. changed it. So maybe uh, yeah. the uh, this was um who was uh, this was written by um, Toby Whithouse. So maybe he didn't realize yeah. when he wrote the character that was the same name. Maybe it was a coincidence, and then they they changed it. But it's good to know. Indeed. Was that in confidential or? You heard that. I so. think it was in. Uh, yeah, the, because they do the the script read through the first meeting, mm. and uh, that name came out there. Uh, and I, I knew I'd picked up a, a difference, but it didn't twig until somebody else mentioned it. It might have been the Seventh Doctor. It might even have been Darth, but somebody uh, in our room did earlier. I see. Okay. Well, we're going to get to um, everyone in the queue. As always, we're going to give Donju Pachak supporting subscribers a bump in the queue. So it's uh, because of um, Donju Pachak supporting subscri- subscribers that make this show possible. And, you know, as a thank you, we like to give little perks and if we can bump you up in the queue. And uh, I know it's been a while since we've done one of our um, um, extra episodes, so we need to get on that right away. But uh, but we do want to thank you for being a supporting subscriber. It does make a tremendous difference, and even now more than ever, the times um, are really tight right now. So we do appreciate you becoming a Podshock supporting sp- subscriber. And if you'd like to become one, we encourage you to do so by going to either arttrap.com or podshock.net, and you'll see a banner on the top there to become a Podshock supporting subscriber. And it's... For a very low monthly subscription fee, you'll be able to help the show and can make us, um, you know, enable us to continue the show. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Seventh Doctor is a supporting well, s- subscriber. I'm not sure. I thought Russell was. Oh. No, let's uh, let's get the Seventh Doctor on then. Welcome back to the show. I enjoyed this episode. I, I thought it was a bit disjointed. I, I think this series has been a bit disjointed. The second half of this series has felt very heavy, very uh, suspenseful, and very um, gloomy or, or dark episodes, uh, where the first half of the season I thought was lighter, uh, have a little bit of uh, unbalance, and I, I think they should have moved an episode or two around to balance it out. Yeah. And it almost feels like two different series instead of one. Well, I think that's what Stephen Moffat right. wanted. He wanted to have this as two separate series instead of having it one series divided into two. That I think, you know, that was one of the things that he had mentioned when he first announced that, you know, the split. But I, I still think that this should mm-hmm. have been, like, as you just said, it seems a bit unbalanced. Maybe, as I said earlier, maybe this episode, well, maybe not this episode, maybe Night Terrors should have been in the first half, and it just seems too soon right after Night Terrors. Yeah, I agree with you, Lewis. Um, but I, I did like this episode. It was very tense, uh, had a dark feel to it. I, I know they probably didn't spend a lot of money on this episode. It was uh, all 
set based or, or inside of a building based except for the last scene there last couple scenes um, but I thought they did a really good job uh, with what they had um, very suspenseful um, and, and I, I enjoyed it uh, one thing I, I noticed though is uh, there at the end and, and, and that's where my main bone of contention with this story is I didn't buy that Amy lost her faith in the doctor because they, they go into that room and what do you see? You see Amelia looking outside of the window, mm-hmm. young Amelia looking for uh, the raggedy doctor and the doctor tells adult Amy that you know she has to lose her faith in him but what do you see at the very last scene? You see adult Amy looking out her window, wondering where the doctor is. Did she really lose faith in him? I don't know. I, I, I don't think she really did. Yeah. So I don't know if I buy that uh, they, they got out of that uh, situation because she lost faith in him. Yeah, I agree with you. So I, I don't. My, I, I didn't buy that either. Didn't really feel. I didn't feel compelled to think that she lost faith in him just by him saying, "Oh, you know, a few words to her." It seemed kind of rushed. You know, just we had to, you know, somehow do that scene and get past that point. Easily convinced. It, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, so I had a little problem with that. Um, it had a. This episode had a lot of feel of the movie uh, Cube. Uh, mm. where you have rooms that uh, move around and change. and So I got that kind of vibe from it. Uh, I enjoyed that movie, and I enjoyed this episode, so it, it didn't detract from it. I don't know if anyone noticed the Rubik's Cube. It was featured a couple episodes ago, and they brought it back here. This time, um, unlike the first time, the doctor actually solved the Rubik's Cube. They didn't really feature it, but uh, it was just barely on on the view of the camera uh, in one scene that he had solved it. So I thought that was kind of a nice homage to, I think it was Night Terrors that it was in earlier, mm-hmm. yeah, where he didn't solve it. Um, I don't know why the doctor just suddenly now, after like 20 stories, uh, decides that he has to drop Amy and Rory off and let them live their lives, uh, that it's too dangerous for them to travel with him. Why? All of a sudden now and not after, you know, having gone through the angels and um, the, the uh, Solarians and the Pandorica and, and the Astron and all of that. Why now? Why now does he have to drop them off? I, I don't know if I bought that. Yeah. And it's not the first time either because he does leave them behind after the wedding, you know, and then... You know, actually, after the Christmas uh, story, after the honeymoon, yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, we don't know why he dropped them off. Then uh, we're still kind of waiting to see why he did that. And uh, Dave had mentioned earlier in the discussion that he thought maybe this is when he dropped them off before the impossible astronaut. I don't know if I buy that because if you look at the the door, the front door to the the apartment or the house that they were in in the Impossible Astronaut, it was different than the door that we see in this new house now. Uh, this had the new door has a TARDIS blue color to it. 
Right. Uh, the door, the door back there had the uh, see-through glass, uh, which you don't see here. Oh. So I, I, I don't think it's the same house. Also, why would Amy remember her daughter? Yeah, well, so. she seems to have forgotten about it, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> well, she tells the doctor if, if he runs into yeah, her. Yeah, I know, I know, you know, I know, but it's just, I, but I know, I agree with you. I'm just saying that she seems to have forgotten about the, the, the infant daughter. Yes. Well, you have to remember, though, if, if they, they go back and try to find her, take her away from that life that she was going to be leading or having as Mel's, then that would change history and maybe change how things, so maybe they have accepted that timeline. Fixed point in time. I don't know. That could be. I don't think the doctor actually said it was, but maybe it is. Something I thought about after uh, the last podcast, the Coltham Collective podcast earlier today, I didn't mention there, what is exactly the faith of the doctor? The doctor kind of sidesteps that question when he's asked that in this episode. Some have speculated it, it's Omega. I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that's wild speculation. Uh, but what exactly is his faith? I don't know. I, I would say his, his faith is in himself, but... Why didn't he say that, yeah. though? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he 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 didn't have the call though, did he? I mean, it was a, a, the, the passing. It was Amy that was in the TARDIS. That was the one that who was the primary attraction to that place. But yeah, I think, I think they sidestepped it a bit. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the same he, thing. He, the really way he said that that's the reason why we're here is because you know because of Amy. But it doesn't really explain. I thought they willingly landed there because they were going to see these giants with big hats or something like that, not because um, this you know cousin of the of the Nyman brought them there. Yeah, and you're right. He didn't say neither you or me, I, Rory, have a belief, did he? He just said Rory didn't. Yes. That's what he said. One other comment I wanted to make, uh, there's a TV show here in the States uh, runs on the Sci-Fi Network uh, called Haven. And the recent episode that aired this past Friday, uh, they had two um, supporting cast or characters, and their names were Amelia and her boyfriend, Rory. So I really? thought that was kind of interesting. I think the writer might have been have, a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, that, that's too coincidental. That has to be some sort of nod uh, going on. Yeah. But um, despite the disjointness of this episode, I did enjoy it, uh, and I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Okay, great. Well, thank you once again. It's always good to hear from you. I mean, you're sounding so much better than Cylon, Seventh Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Ro- Ronenth is actually Helen. Ronenth. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're going to take her next, and then then Russell, then Davros. Helen, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome back to the show. It's good, good to hear from you. Yes, good to hear you again too. I mean, it's been a while, and uh, I've been kind of going crazy the past year. So uh, I know I was trying to get on. 
for the longest time, but um, it was like one thing after another kept me from doing it, especially the first at the premiere, as Lewis probably very well knows, we had that big storm. Yes, yes. Mm. Irene. And uh, we had a power outage that day, so I couldn't have gotten on. <laughs> Well, we didn't do. We I expected to have power outages uh, here, so I deliberately postponed the show yeah. that Sunday. So we did. We made up for it the following Sunday by reviewing two episodes, you know, in the same show. Oh, we did. Okay, I didn't realize that. But uh, any case, um, yeah, it's good to be back. Like I said I had to get on at least for one episode this season. <laughs> well, what did you think uh, of this episode, the God Complex? Um. God Complex, I was really thinking a bit more about it than um, it actually turned out to be because, like I said, it, at the end it turned out to be a holographic projection, and uh, I was like, oh, if that's all it was at the end, and I was like, the demon was controlling this uh, projector thingy that uh, it took images, uh, it took images and uh, thoughts out of a person's mind that were fears and brought them to life. So, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. Uh, and uh, I don't know, like in chat, if he was mentioning Tron, I said, no, I don't think so, because that would mean that they got resed into a uh, computer mainframe. I was like, and they didn't. Yeah, I saw. I thought of it more of as a holodeck, you know, like what we saw in Star Trek yeah, The Next exactly. Generation. I thought it more of a holodeck myself, and I was like, ooh, okay. And uh, when when we see it, to, uh, next generation. When we see it dissolved, it reminded me of um, the back in Let's Kill Hitler. The that android, not android, that's human spaceship mechanoid, whatever that thing was that we saw. Um, oh, you mean in the android? You mean the robot um, Amy, and we would morph it simply into whatever form happened. That uh, tessellating effect. Yeah. 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 It went to anything who that uh, would be in front of them. Was inter- that they're interested in uh, copying, but it had that same so sort I, of similar I, I effect I like, with with like the tiles. I like the compression fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like show sixty six put that you know, thinking color deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, actually all in all, I thought it was a cool episode. And you're right; it did remind me a bit of The Shining with the uh, doll running down the halls and stuff like that. Well, and they they uh, picked a 1980s hotel. You know, and the, the Shining came out in 1980. Yeah. I think it was 1980. I was almost expecting yeah. I was almost expecting to find Bates to appear somewhere along the line. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like, oh, when, when was the Bates Hotel they going to show up? <laughs> then uh, that it kind of like <laughs> occurred to me. If they're going that far into the um, this horror bit, um, which you know, I, I think Moffat does a brilliant job with the horror. I mean, I, with bringing that like, that terror thing, I, he's great at that. Uh, I did in chat, you know, I, I, I love his twisted imagination that he can just come up with these things and bring them out on the screen. And you have to recall, they have a budget and they have restraints as to uh, their audience and stuff like that. So you have to consider like everything when they produce an episode and sometimes they just don't have the money to produce the effects that they really want to um, for it. So I think they did a brilliant job this time except I was kind of wondering what was up with the ventriloquist doll. And it seems like a, a running theme in this whole season is these dolls. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't sure about that because see, although they'd, they'd tied this chap up and, and brought him to the restaurant or bar area, whatever it is, mm-hmm. presumably when he first arrived, his fear was in his room. Uh, and I wouldn't have thought they'd have had that many dolls to frighten him because he, he did say originally they were frightening him. So I think that was just done to have a, a nice scenic, scenic effect. You know, yeah. for the for the things, but really, it would have been him going into his room, and they'd be the They were very frightening. What was that famous Anthony Hopkins film where he had um um uh yeah a what's it not a puppet yeah but before that there was Charlie, even was um there's a, twi- a classic Twilight Zone episode Ooh, which yeah. uh which had the same there thing which Cliff which uh. Which starred Cliff Robinson, who just coincidentally this past week passed away. But it's a, oh, yeah. a, cl- a classic Twilight Zone episode with, um, you know, with with one of those, um, you know, dummies, if if you will. Yeah. The uh, uh, magic, magic is the name you, of the movie. Diane Walling. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Diane. With Anthony Hopkins. Thanks, yeah. Diane. In chat. So uh, anyway, um, getting back to the point, uh, I just thought um, the whole thing with. Um, Amy and Rory and running around and down corridors once again, and I was like, yeah, at least this episode they actually had to interact with other people and not white robots, uh, like in uh, and well, um, the girl who waited. And, and that episode, the girl who waited, drove me nuts because I was like, when are they actually going to run into ask somebody real? <laughs> and uh, it turns out she was all alone for all that time in this um, alternate reality with these robots, and I was like, boy, that would drive anybody mad. <laughs> mm. And uh, so, and then at least in this episode, she got to interact with other people, mm. and um, even though it was more of a, uh, it was more of a, well, let's run for our lives type thing most in most of the episode. Uh, mostly they're running down the same corridors, running around and around, and you find at the end that they're in a big holographic room where uh, their actor running is actually going, taking them nowhere. So I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, it may it may indeed have been like it was said, some doctor said, this was probably um, a slightly uh, cost-friendly episode. Yeah, it was. I, I thought it was great um, all in all. Um, it, w- it was really good. I mean, uh, a couple of comments from one of my friends were like, it was boring because you know, there was nothing actually going on. And I was like, I thought there was a lot going on, but it was on a, in- on a level that was a little higher up that kind of, I guess it went over the heads of a lot of people, a lot of the stuff. It was, we're very familiar with the classic series. Um, like the Neemans themselves. I mean, uh, the last time I saw them was with the Master, and there we go with the master connection again. And I was like, hmm, where was, uh, and will we ever see the master again? That's another question. I mean, you brought, uh, somebody brought up Rassilon in chat, and I was like laughing. I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's true. You know, it just seems like whenever something like goes on like this massive, usually Rassilon has something to do with, has something to do with it. And it could actually be Omega. Running the show here, and uh, yeah, I mean those are the rumors that are going around that he'll turn up at in one of the final episodes. Well, as long as like the rumors, we don't, we don't we don't mind rumors. We just don't want spoilers. Exactly. 
spoilers and um, are not good. So, uh, but um, um, as as far as the uh, end ending of this episode, I mean, uh, I didn't want to go rehash that since you guys did such a marvelous job talking about it the last um, hour. So, uh, um, I just felt you know the bit with the car. I was kind of like wondering. Um, why a red Porsche? It's like, of all the cars in the world to choose, why a red Porsche? I don't know. Why not? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess, can I think of red Porsche? I think of midlife crisis. I think either of them are going through a midlife crisis. <laughs> well, Mel's had, didn't Mel's have a red Corvette? Oh, yeah, Mel did have a red Corvette. I guess it's just that color red again. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the red Corvette. They wasn't really her. She actually she listed it. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I guess she liked it. But I, I love. I mean that. I mean nothing. I think is it, an anti. I think the red is kind of anticlimactic compared to Let's Kill Hitler. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's kind of like well, we did the best we could in the first episode. Now we have to like, play catch up for the whole rest of the season until the finale. Well, I, I think, I mean, some, you had mentioned, and I think, uh, I, don't, um, I don't know if it was in chat or whatever, someone had, I think someone else had mentioned that maybe this was a more, a, a cost-effective episode. Uh, I mean, I, I think they, mm-hmm. um, they, they probably, had, you know, had to allocate the budget to, I mean, if you, for the whole series, if the first half and the second half, and if you remember the first two episodes in The Impossible Planet and, um, the day of the moon and all that you know they were shooting right. in the u.s and i'm sure that was a very expensive ordeal and we don't know what the series finale is going to bring either so so i'm sure there's a, a, a trade-off where we're going to you know those yeah. two episodes are probably very expensive to to make and i'm sure probably the last two episodes of, of this series is going to be i'm assuming obviously we haven't seen them yet probably a lot of the money right. is going into that but i would like to see this all being like the jay um, like the um um, like the Dallas effect. It's like uh, where, you know, we, oh, it ends up where um, it was all just a dream. Yeah, that's... It, it, they talk about it being a fantasy, fairy tales, and whatever, and it would be really hilarious if the whole thing ended as... Uh, it would probably be... Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to... <laughs> a lot of people were disappointed with that, and I, I don't think... I think a lot of Doctor Who fans would be disappointed if it was all just a dream. Yeah, we have uh, David David Tennant wake up. Ooh, I, I had this dream. I regenerated into the eleventh Doctor. Oh, dear. Yeah. The, the other thing is uh, when you mentioned about cost and uh, uh, Shara's again, uh, Shara's uh, sixty-six uh, horror fang was a cost-effective episode, but still great. But, but the other thing is, yeah, it doesn't uh, I mean it just started this. Yeah, I, yeah, I just want to say cost-effective doesn't mean it's it's not a good episode. Even last episode, no. they had uh, a lot of that was done in white rooms and white. You know, the the, the sets were inexpensive. It, it was cost-effective as well. So I mean, but it, it was still they produced mm-hmm. a a good story. Look at the classic series. They, the budget they had to work with was minuscule compared to uh, shows of uh, around that same time in the yeah, U.S. and other. I mean, it, it all comes down to storytelling yeah, and characters. All the groundbreaking things they did in the Catholic. And think of the, all the uh, groundbreaking effects that they did in the original series because of just trying to improvise with what they had. I mean, CGI and things like that were brand new, and um, they they did some of the best. Um, well, maybe not the best compared to nowadays, but um, 
the best in the 70s and 80s could offer the TCI and AFX. Yeah, the other thing I was just going to mention, though, is that uh, they, they also have to budget the, the Christmas special out of the money now, which I believe mm-hmm. it's just this last week or so they've started uh, filming that. I was just wondering about the Christmas special. Yeah, no spoilers about it, but no, just the fact that they've started filming it. Oh, no spoilers. I was saying like that if they were going to fit it in, because they did split the season, if they were actually going to do the Christmas special. I, and I think that... That would be a disappointment if they didn't. Well, originally I thought the second half, because originally they said that this this half of the series, uh, if for the lack of a better term, was going to be in, uh, which was going to come back in autumn. So it actually came back late summer. So I originally had thought maybe if this, if this, if the series had returned, let's say in October, beginning of October or end of September, maybe it right. might have um, flowed right into the Christmas special. But obviously, there, there'll be mm-hmm. a break between, uh, you know, when this concludes. And we, ha- we have the Sarah Jane Adventures as well. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. They're going to be showing the Sarah Jane Adventures uh, the last season, which um, yeah. I almost forgot about. And I just wish that uh, they show it here. Mm. Um, uh, and on the UK as well, Merlin is getting a, getting a run soon as well, which uh, usually they don't have Merlin and Doctor Who on at the same time. Oh, that was tough. So, Helen, any okay. final uh, ratings on, on yeah. this TARDIS groans? Um, I'd give it up, I guess I'll, I'll voice um, seventh um, opinion and say three out of five TARDIS groans. Okay. Mm. All right, well, thank you so Good. much. And it's good to hear from you yeah, again. Yeah, thank you so much, Lewis. And uh, it's good to, good to be back again. And um, I won't be as much of a stranger, hopefully. <laughs> good. Be, be back more regularly. Good. All right. Well, thanks again. Cheers. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. All right. Well, moving along, we... I'm sorry, Dave. Did... No, I was just going to say, we've got to, two more callers, yeah. one more clip. Why don't... Okay, well, then the, why don't I do that? Why don't I play the last clip, and then we'll get to the last two callers, and we'll call it a show. Tell me how to fight you. My master, my lord, I'm here. That's how No, no, no. Rory, watch out. Rory, you're right. It's faith. Not just religious faith, faith in something. That's what it replaces. Every time someone was confronted with their most primal fear, they fell back on their most fundamental faith. And all this time, I have been telling you to dig deep. Why are we here? doesn't want you. That's why I kept showing you a way out. You're not religious or superstitious, so there's no faith for you to fall back on. It wants her. Me? Your faith in me. That's what brought us here. And this, there's nothing I can do to stop this. I stole your childhood, and now I've led you by the hand to your death. I took you with me because I was vain, because I wanted to be adored. Look at you. Girl who waited for me. I'm not a hero. I really am just a madman in a box. It's time to stop waiting. I severed the food supply, sacrificing her faith in me. Gave you the space to die. So, you're leaving, aren't you? Everything lost for me. Bad Penny is my middle name. You can't just drop me off at my house and say goodbye like we shared a cab. And what's the alternative? Me standing over your grave? Look after him. Look after you. (laughs) 
What's he doing? He's saving us. Lewis, uh, remember this, uh, although it wasn't in that particular clip, when the, the I mean, I don't know whether it's because the TARDIS wasn't there, but we don't, we don't understand what this um, creature is saying, but the Doctor's uh, in, uh, mm-hmm. interpreting it and he thinks it's talking about itself, the creature, but when he stands up, the Doctor turns round and the last thing that he interprets from the creature is, I wasn't talking about myself. So all the things that we think that he's reading, that you know, the 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 the, the life that the Minotaur is leading, the Minotaur says, I wasn't talking about myself. He was talking about the Doctor. Yeah, I, I didn't really understood what he meant by that. So I, I guess I need to kind of rewatch that, and because I, I know what, I know what you're saying, but I didn't I didn't really understand well, what he meant by that. Basically, you know, the, the Minotaur in that that uh, in that prison. Mm-hmm. Traveling through space, consuming the the desires and the faiths of these people, uh, was was a sort of parallel to the Doctor going around and consuming yeah. these people's lives, I, I people sacrificing yeah. their life mm-hmm. for him. And there was a parallel between the two of them. I see. Yeah, that would make sense. I, uh, like I said, I, I'll need to like rewatch that. I know there was that uh, scene in the middle or, or in the beginning where he's you know translating. Well, he's kind of communicating with the creature, you know, during in the hotel scene and all that. And um, it, it seemed it seemed like you know someone speaking with Chewbacca, you know, and understanding what the growls meant because the creature really wasn't yeah. communicating so much in words, but it seemed to be growling and whatever. So I thought maybe there was some sort of psychic connection outside of a verbal one that the Doctor was making with it. That was my right. assumption. Well, yeah. Well, Sonic Sam's put in text, drenched in the blood of the innocent. So, mm-hmm. in a sense, there was that parallel. I think I think that's what they were leading to. I think it's somewhat explained in the commentary, uh, the confidential. But again, yeah, I haven't caught it yet. Should be on. The, it should be on the screen for you to see. You shouldn't have yeah, to watch the confidential. Exactly. Anyway, we've got. Uh, I think it's our friend Russell. Russell's next, and uh, just a comment about in that clip uh, about. Rory kept on being shown the exit because he had no faith and it just made me wonder now if he actually took that exit where would he find himself would he be back in the TARDIS that's true you know it's an interesting thing there all right let's get to uh to Russell in the queue welcome back Russell hello gents yes we can call this episode doctor has an epiphany because that's kind of what happened in this one and yeah. after meeting these poor, lackless couple around space and time for, you know, so many episodes, he finally goes, you know, maybe it isn't the smartest thing for me to be doing with you, too. But he seems to have and, had and that before. kind of felt at the end. He, he's had that before where, you know, uh, wasn't it after he drops off Martha, uh, he didn't want any more companions. He just felt it was too dangerous. Yeah. And the whole exit to me reminded me a lot of Sarah Jane Smith. It was almost the same kind of thing, like, I, I, you, you can't come with me anymore. Mm. 
Yeah, except for I, I, fe- I felt more. Kind of I felt more <laughs> with Sarah Jane Smith than I felt here, only because yeah. here I just assumed they'll be they're going to be coming back. So it didn't really seem like a farewell for me. It just seemed like a, a temporary goodbye. We'll see you in a couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it, it was the same kind of you know you just can't come with me anymore yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we all know because reality of TV is that they've been signed for seven series, so this is just temporary. But it it felt like that kind of goodbye, like yeah, you know, uh, like in the waters a, took, of Mar- sorry, in the waters of Mars where. You know, uh, he's on his own. He's not good on his own, is he? He needs somebody to temper him. And uh, we've had the Donna Noble character from the, was it the Christmas Invasion saying that he, he mm-hmm. needs somebody. So we, we we sometimes need to see the Doctor on his own, I think. Um, I, do, yeah. I do quite like episodes where he hasn't got a companion. Uh, well, in Midnight, essentially, he was without a companion. And look what happened there. I mean, in, he was um, he seemed slightly defenceless without... A companion. Yeah, and it, and it, it almost kind of makes sense because, you know, in, in a way, if you look at it, he's kind of holding these two back from having, having any kind of normal married life together, really. And, and I think it took, you know, a, a minotaur, naimon, whatever you want to call it, for him to go, you know, maybe I should just step back, let, let them live a little bit, sort of thing, which mm-hmm. is an interesting way to do it. You know, and, and I'm with you, Lewis. All this horror stuff, it's getting a little heavy-handed. Horror, 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 horror. Actually, you know? I'm kind of surprised and, that you say that, because I, I thought you always enjoyed the the scary factor in Doctor Who. Yeah, I always like a good spooky Who, but, but <laughs> it has to be... <laughs> but, but it, 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 where are spooky you? Spooky Who, that's right. <laughs> but but it's got to it's be tempered and spread out. It, it's almost like we're getting too much of it. Really, you know, and it's just okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I, I, variety. I, I think. See, well, I, I should also, uh, for those that are listening, especially those in the UK, uh, the one of the major differences between me being a fan and maybe like Dave and other people that have been fans growing up with Doctor Who is that I found I discovered Doctor Who in my uh, early teens and, uh, and you know and fell in love with it through you know as a teenager. So I didn't grow up as a kid watching Doctor Who. So I was never behind the sofa, frightened watching it. I never found Doctor Who to be scary, really. And to me, I enjoyed yeah. the storytelling. And the, it was the an sca- adventure, wasn't yeah, it? It's- yeah, same here. Like, I, I discovered it when I was a teenager, too. Same thing. We were, we were close to the same age. So, so it, it's... But but now I, I think the people that are making the show now grew, obviously are in the UK and they grew up watching it and they were frightened as a kid. So now, the, you know, they try to incorporate fear, you know, that whole fear yeah. factor into every story because they want to make it frightening for the kids as it, as they were frightened when they were kids. So that's I think that there's yeah. a disconnect between me and those that are producing the show. The yeah, and I, so, think, I, I think I'm feeling that disconnect now, too, because uh, I'm feeling like you are, Lewis. It's like, okay, can we just, well, yes, you can scare us. You, you keep proving you can scare us time and time again. You know how to do creepy. Great. Right, but, but the whole point is that even though Doctor Who is not a children's show, it's a family show, yeah. I assume that the if the writers have one person in mind when they're writing it, it's going to be that eight or nine-year-old boy or girl, isn't it? That, I mean, mm. even though it's not a children's program, right? That's, uh, that's who they're trying to impress. Um, mm-hmm. Not us all fuddy-duddy. Well, 
I, I use that word loosely. <laughs> yes, loosely. I, I, I was impressed by the, the Minotaur costume. I'm glad they did a guy in a suit in practical and not a CGI beast. Oh, yeah. good point. Mm-hmm. I agree. It would have looked horrible cgi a CGI creature completely, and I think it, it just wouldn't have worked. And I think it yeah. helped the actors, too, having seen a big lumbering beast running down the hallways after them. I, I like the physicality yeah. of having someone, you know, uh, in a costume like that. You know, it, it worked well. Yeah, that's yeah, like and you six, have- six foot seven, and he was wearing high heels or whatever in the halls. So he must have been about eight foot to the, the actors. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's good. I mean, we have Millennium Effects. You have a production company that can do this stuff. Use them. And I, I'm glad they did for that kind of thing. I think it just works way better. As fancy as you can make computer graphics, nothing beats a guy in a well-made suit. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I think, I, I, I think bravo to that. Played by Spencer Wilding, just to give the money's credit. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think I think it really worked well, and it was great watching the confidential and seeing how they incorporated the the puppeteering puppeteering along with the guy in the suit, and I think that's a great combination. So, there's just yeah, certain things know, that well, you can I, do in the physical world that is it's just hard to achieve with CG, and you know, and I think that's one like uh, when the creature's walking down the hallway and the horns are scraping against the ceiling, and you can see dust coming down from the ceiling. That's just classic stuff that's uh, you can do in CG, but I'm sure it would be hard to do, and it probably wouldn't be. Yeah, and, and, and also and be expensive. CG, you're making actors react to nothing, really. You know, they have to you'll use your imagination, and that's good to a certain extent, but then it's like, you know, give them something to actually look at. You know, if I was directing, I would say, yeah, spend the money on a suit, not CGI. You know, I, I think yeah. it's much more well spent. <laughs> yeah, overall, I, I liked it. I, I, as you all are saying, I don't think we've seen the last of Rory and Amy, but I, if I didn't see them for the rest of this series... I wouldn't complain. Well, there, there's not much left of the rest of the series right now. Where Isn't this well, episode 11? If I'm not mistaken, yeah. So we have yeah, this yeah. eleven. So if you don't see them for the next two, great. I won't miss them. I honestly yeah. won't. Well, just to say, uh, I don't think Darth or Ian, the Sixth Doctor, will mind me saying both their both of them. Their favorite line of this episode was, "Amy, you're fired." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, take a break. Go on the sidelines for a while. It was I've had a, enough of your the Amy show. I had it, enough of the Amy show. It was a good line. Yeah, and, and I, I felt like this show is another all about Amy show. Please, not another all about Amy show. And so, so I'll be glad that those characters maybe take a break for a few episodes, go away for a while, live your life. You know, let them have some fun with other people. <laughs> but even even that first, Cause, cause I, the Doctor's first Earthworld adventure with Amy, you know, he's training her to observe everything, you know, and, uh, when they, they find themselves, you know, floating in New London on, on that on the back of that creature. Uh, what's the name of that episode? Of, uh, but that's where uh, the Doctor's first, you know, instructing Amy to observe everything. And, and I guess she still hasn't done that yet. But now, reader? The base below. The, the beast, beast yeah, yeah. So now this character yeah. that they introduce in this episode, Reader, I believe her name is, is observing things, and you know, and the Doctor is impressed by that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, some people thought she'd make a good companion. Well, so did he. I thought she would have too, and it's yeah. So, 
No, I, I think I think maybe not everybody, but I'm aiming out. So I, I was kind of happy to see that ending. Well, I'm I'm not so much aiming out, but I do would like I would like to see how the Eleventh Doctor and you know the dynamics of another type of relationship with someone else with another companion. So I, yeah, you know, it'd be good to Somebody see someone in love with him and adores him and works well, the ground he walks on. Yeah, him. I don't think you know, Amy's in love with him. Companion. I you know Amy does but, have but faith he, in him, but I don't think he, she's not in love with him. Though there was some question no, about it. Yeah, she was a googly eye effect she had for him for a while. I think she's still kind of, you know, he never let me down kind of stuff. And it's just, ugh. We've had enough of those female companions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just want a companion that just a fun guy to hang out with, no romantic interest. That's all I yeah. want. Now, I must admit, I, I, I've been on record as saying that a few times that um, I don't like it when the companion is the most important person in the universe. No. Don, Donna, you're the most important person in the universe. You know, oh, no, 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 you're not. Uh, um, Amy's the most important in the universe. Oh, no, no, you're not. Uh, no, 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 you're not. one is. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, I would like it just to be somebody going wrong for the, the ride. Somebody who's got to the ride. Fun. I've yeah. got a gun. Let's go kill Hitler. Yeah, you know, just for the just for the fun of driving through time and space. Let's keep it simple, folks. Shows worked for over forty years. Let's keep it simple. Yeah, well, well, I, I that's why I didn't really like the fact that um, the way some people had made out the tenth Doctor and Rose relationship to be that you know the that the tenth Doctor was so enamored with Rose. I I like to see. I like to think that the Doctor loves all his companions equally. You know, and not yeah. Yeah, and it, she, you know, she fell from him like a like a like a stone in a brick. But you know, it's just one of those things. I, I, I give this episode uh, like a three and a half out of five. Because it, it, yeah. not not not. I still have. It hasn't been a lot that's wowed me in this series uh, so far, and I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the big, you know, jaw drop every minute episode. And I only had moments of that, but not a whole one yet. All right. Okay. Uh, I think we might have to go on to the next call, yeah. uh, Russell, but great points, great points. Okay, well, great talking to you all. And uh, just quickly plug my show. Uh, you, if you want to hear more of me, you can always catch me at Ramble with Russell at HTTP Rambling Rust at Livesin.com. This week, I will actually be doing a little British humor with some Terry Pratchett and Going Postal. Okay. Cool. Up. Want to hear more from me? That's where you find me. All right. Well, thanks again, Russell. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Al. Cheers. All right. Well, moving along, last but not least is Davros 1179. So uh, maybe that's November 1979. Oh, the 1st of January 1979. It could be. Could be. Very well be. Welcome back, Davros. Hi. Thank you. Hi. So what's your feeling, what's your take on the guard complex? Uh, well, um, it's not been my favorite. I, uh, I, liked, I liked the end of the story. I like uh, what's going on between the Doctor and Amy and Rory at the end. The story itself really didn't do a lot for me. I like some of the nods that at least I, I felt came out of the story. Uh, I felt some Curse of Fenric in there. Uh, of course, the horns of Nymon, uh, the obvious nod. Um, I even felt a little Tomb of the Cybermen there with, uh, with the way that the Doctor was talking to Amy when he's trying to break her faith and 
reminded me of the scene with uh, Pat Troughton and uh, the character Victoria when he's talking to her about his family and things and that same kind of arm over the shoulder, kind of quiet approach. Mm -hmm. But uh, the story itself really didn't do a lot for me. I'm kind of, I, I was totally with you earlier when you said that you're uh, kind of ready for something different other than spooky monster type uh, episodes. And it, it just, for me, it was another one of those. And it was like, you know, I'm, I'm ready for some actual Doctor Who, not spooky Who, as it was referred to earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. You know, it's it's fine here and now. It's just maybe if these two episodes, when I when I say two, I'm speaking of Night Terrors, weren't so close together, maybe I would feel differently. But it just seemed like okay, well, we just had one, and granted, we had the girl who waited in between, but it just it just seemed a bit too soon. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm a bigger fan of the classic series than I am of the new series. So I I. I understand that, you know, back then, uh, you know, uh, a Dalek appearing for the first time, that's scary. And these days, in modern times, that's uh, a Dalek's not going to scare anyone, per se, like mm -hmm. it might have back then. So I, I kind of get where maybe they're, you know, wanting to try and keep that classic feel where Doctor Who monsters traditionally scare people or scare children. But, you know, again, it's just I, I kind of wish we could go back to that time where a Dalek or a Cyberman would scare somebody not doesn't have to be a vampire or a werewolf type thing or something like that to be scary. Yeah, no. I, th I think in some ways, though, they reduce the scariness of the, the having the weeping angels in there uh, because um, we're so accustomed to them being really frightening. Uh, as they said, the, the doctor said they weren't real ones, but, uh, you know, an image of an angel is an angel. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I really love your catch on that where... Uh, a picture of an angel is an angel. Um, I, I like your catch on that because they do, do t totally kind of just throw that out the window and pretend that doesn't exist for a moment there. Mm. Well, there's a saying that there's no, there's no such thing as continuity in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. If it, if it wasn't for incontinuity, then there would be a lot of episodes that would have never gotten made. <laughs> What about um, the guests, uh, you know, the guest stars? I mean, are you aware of David Williams? Did you... You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad you... just the guest voice? D Dave, I'm glad you mentioned him early in the episode because uh, he did look familiar. Whatever reason, I didn't, I didn't catch the end credits when it rolled up and I didn't see Confidential. So he just seemed so familiar and I couldn't... Obviously, with the makeup, I couldn't place him where... How I knew him, but now I, now I know who he is, yeah. Uh, for me, it was just a guest. I wasn't familiar. Um, I, I've watched a, a lot of uh, British television and things, but uh, unfortunately, if it either hasn't been like uh, science fiction or uh, typical sitcom that PBS has been kind enough to buy and show us Americans, I'm not familiar with a lot of those actors. Well, well, Little Britain that they, he, he did with Matt Lucas, they did an American version of it as well which presumably got aired on one of the channels in America. Well, well also, good, but, uh, in 1999, they, there was Doctor Who Night in the UK. I believe it was 1999. And th there were a few sketches that 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 he he and um, um, Mark... Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas. No, no, um, Gatiss. 
Oh, Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss right. and him uh, did three of these sketches. One was um, uh, was BBC 1963, which was how uh, you know how the um, how Doctor Who was conceived and uh, brought to the BBC and and David um, Williams or Wall- I want to say Williams, but it's it's Williams, right? Isn't Williams, it? yeah. yeah. Played yeah. he played Sidney Newman in that, and then later and there, there was also another sketch called the the Web of Fears, I think it was called. Oh no, cave the Cave of Fears or something like that. And uh, Web of Caves. Web, Web of Caves. Of caves. <laughs> I'm getting all confused. Uh, the, yeah, uh, the Pitch of Fear, the Web of Caves, and the kid, Kidnappers. Yeah, the Pitch of Fear was the, that was the other one. Yeah, he wasn't. You know, he's not a completely. Um, you know he he he's known to Doctor Who audiences for at least for some Doctor Who fans. Yeah, I've never caught Little Britain or anything, so unfortunately, I've actually thought about catching it from time to time and never have. So I guess I'll, I'll look forward to seeing him in that then. Yeah, to, to people in the UK, even though he had all that makeup on, he was almost instantly recognisable. But um, he had some funny lines and. Uh, <laughs> when he said the the motto the the motto of our planet is you know uh, uh, we, we we bow down to you or whatever it is insert name of uh, you know the conqueror here you know mm. there were some good lines in it. Do you have a final rating on this? Well, um, I actually was already on the Gallifrey Embassy website and rated there, and unfortunately, because I really didn't like the story content, I only gave it a two. Okay, no, it just really didn't do it for me. Right. Yeah, I don't think this was everybody's cup of tea. So, I mean, uh, I only really rate it out of three out of five. Uh, and when I was actually watching it, I wasn't getting a great excitement and enjoyment out of it. I, I was basically waiting for the story to to, to pull me along, and uh, I, I was watching it, but I wasn't engrossed in it. Uh, but it's one of these you never know. Um, there, there have been a couple of episodes when I've I. I uh, like Night Terrors, which I thought was a bit slow-moving. Then it got exciting, and then it had a bit of a damp squid of an end. Um, and, and this one, you could argue, again, the way that um, the Amy Pong character was dissuaded that the Doctor was her hero a little bit too easily, one would think, after all they'd been through. But it, I suppose it, it was the, just a device to get them out of there. And, of course, there was... Uh, there wasn't really a monster, was it? The the creature was a victim in a sense as well. Mm. I just kind of hope that, uh, kind of like some of the others were saying, I, I really hope that they're saving a whole bunch of money because we're going to have a really just wang bang of a season finale. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. Well, usually that's the, you know they they kind of tend to do that. They have these. You know, series finales, especially during the Russell T Davies era, where everything's thrown in, including the kitchen sink. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, just uh, just let me read. Uh, Made me think of the Alien in Star Trek: Next Generation episode, uh, the pacifists that are continuously conquered. But it just made me think of a, another Star Trek, uh, the Man Trap, the very first Star Trek, where that creature has to suck the salt out of people. Uh, didn't really want to do it, did it? But it, um, it had, that was its instinct to survive. And it was remember just, that, Lewis? It was oh, the man trap, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, was the well, it was it, it was the very first episode of Star Trek broadcast, yeah, wasn't the, the one first one yeah. made? In fact, it was just the 45th yeah. anniversary of that broadcast just a couple of weeks ago. Well, about right. a, week, a week ago, it was I think it was. Uh, wow. 
Well, once again, Davros, thank you again for calling in. As always, you sound so much, um, well, I, I think it was, um, you sounded fine last time, I think it was the seventh doctor that sounded like a Cylon. Yeah, indeed. All right, thanks again. Well, Cheers. Thank you. If we've got any ratings in text, we might just have a second or two to read a couple out. Um, you said yours, didn't you, right at the beginning? Well, uh, I, I didn't your... give, I didn't my, I didn't give, <laughs> I, I didn't give my actual TARDIS groans. I'm going to give it, uh, I guess I'm going to give it three out of five TARDIS groans. Uh, I was going to say two and a half, but I think three, or maybe three TARDIS groans and then add a half if you're into this genre type, you know, if this stuff appeals to you i again i'm a bit a little bipolar with my review with that because i think it was done it was executed very well it's a very good episode it's just it's just the, the the subject matter itself i just find a little tiresome that we've you know had a little bit too much of that already but it's as, okay. as a standalone it works fine well i'll read out a few from text then uh, willis girl four out of five sharis 66 four out of five Sonic Sam, three and a half out of five. Seventh Doctor, I think he already said, but three and a half out of five. And that appears to be it, although there are quite a number of other people in the room. Uh, of course, Russell and so on gave his uh, rating when he was on. And Dave, did you give your your Todd's crowns? Yep, yeah, three out, th three out of five. Okay. All um, right. Uh, three out of five from uh, Rowan. Well, I guess that's going to um, wrap up our review, and we'll be back next week for um, Closing Time. That's mm. the name of the episode, where once again we uh, see the familiar character that we met last series. And anybody likes to drink like myself, shouting <laughs> Closing Time in a pub, that's very frightening. Yeah, the the preview seems interesting. It's, it's, like I said, I think it's going to be the calm before the storm. I think it's going to it's it will be a, a little bit of a light hearted or light handed episode, and before we get to the the last couple episodes mm. of the series. Mm. So we hope you can join us next week, same time, and uh, for the live show. And I want to thank everyone for participating. And Dave, as always, thanks for putting together the clips and for hosting. And uh, if you can remind people, you can find Dave at the Cultum Collective at 2 p.m. on Sundays. And they do reviews of Doctor Who. And, and when Doctor Who's not on, they're reviewing other things as well. So uh, keep listening. Yeah, we're, Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, we're... I was sorry, I was going to say, yeah, that's it. Uh, Touch your ID 54821. And may I say thank you, by the way, to you, Lewis, because uh, we certainly have had a, an uptake of uh, our listeners. I've got a feeling that they may well be podshot listeners who've, uh, who've uh, caught those references to the Colton Collective via this show and Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. So thank you for those people who've given the Colton Collective a tryout. I hope you'll stay with us. Keep, of course, with Podshot, the... Uh, the godfather of all podcasts but other than that uh, great and just a reminder uh, at 7 p.m we'll be back again reviewing torchwood miracle day for the, the last episode of torchwood miracle day uh, episode 10 the bloodline so we'll hopefully see you back or won't see you hear you back later yeah all right so i guess that's it then. the cricket the cricket yeah, now they, yeah cricket the, comes back. the cricket didn't chirp i must have ah. scared it away i don't know but um, I'll, I'll count my blessings. <laughs> That's a reference to <laughs> to what's coming it later. Been, it could have been its it could have been its rating on the show zero <laughs> yeah. crickets out of five. We'll we'll see if it makes an appearance during Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.
Well, until then, cheers, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan-run GallifreyEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app in the iOS for iOS devices now in the iTunes App Store. We surrender. No, it's okay. We're not. We surrender. We're not. She sent me with a cello. Who are you? Oh, God, we're back in reception. We surrender. I've never been threatened with a cello before. No, hang on, I tell a lie. Did you just say it's okay, we're nice? Okay, I need everyone to shut up now! Uh, Rita, be careful, yeah? Pupils are dilated. They are surprised as we are. Besides which, if it's a trick, it'll tell us something. Oh, you're good. Oh, she's good. Amy, with regret, you're fired. What? I'm kidding. 